Well, I'd like to congratulate everybody for being on time this week. This is pretty good. I thought it was going to get worse and worse. We only got a couple weeks left, so. No, no, right on time. Uh, we have so we have a couple visitors. Phil, would you like to introduce your visitors to us? My brother Jim and his wife Christy. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. We have a couple of the couples that tied the knot last night, so to speak, that renewed their vows. Congratulations to you. Uh, we had a really good time. For those of you who missed it, you did. You talked to them, and they will tell you that uh, you missed a good time. So uh, today's lesson is on forgiveness. Before we start, i got to tell you a cute story about my son. Most of you know Braden, six years old. Braden, although he, is, he loves to sing, and he can sing his Bible songs that he learned here while he plays cops and arrests people, and he's got his army men and policemen, and they're all killing each other, but he can sing the, the Bible songs. So that's pretty typical. So the other day, uh, Michelle's doing some work, and he's playing in the other room, and she can hear him singing. All of a sudden, he starts singing, uh, Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. And then, but then it gets better. So she listens, and then he starts in with, Love stinks. Yeah, yeah. So she comes now. She has to come in, too, because we're dealing, dealing with this class on love. And she has to say, Brayden, number one, where did you hear that? And love, love doesn't stink. So where did you hear that? Well, welcome, couples. There's another couple that got in. Yeah, they tied the knot yesterday. So, uh... Yeah, so Braden sings these two songs. He ends up, love stinks. Michelle says, well, you know, Braden, love doesn't stink. Where, where did you hear that? And very serious, he says, Mom, on the commercial, the Swiffer Mop says, love stinks. Okay, if you don't see, if you don't watch TV, the Swiffer Mop's a pretty dumb commercial, but Swiffer Mop is singing the love song. So that's what he did. Well. So that's, uh, that's kind of my joke today. I'm not really telling a joke. That was just a cute little story. Yeah. No, that really happened. So Today's lesson. We're on lesson number five already. We have next week is our last uh, week together. I don't know about you. I think the last five weeks and next, it's gone pretty quick. But I've been the one talking. It might be unbearable for you, and it maybe have been going really slow for the last six weeks. I don't know. Um, but uh, next week, as Pastor said, if you weren't in the main service, actually our last week together will be shortened just slightly. And that's because our children are going to be putting on a little program about Moses and his life, and that is going to be from 11 to 11.15. And you notice we're already down here at 11.15. So we'll get a little bit late start next week. We're all going to stay in there in the main service cafeteria area. And after Cafe Community, we'll all sit back down, and they'll, they're going to uh, have a little play for us. And then we'll come down here for our last session. Um, this week, our, uh, our topic today is love and forgiveness. And the burning question that we want to go over today is, is unforgiveness holding your relationship back with God and with your spouse? And is there anything for which you need to ask forgiveness for? Now, I said last week, and, I, and I'll, I'll start our topic today with letting you know that this is a tough one. All right? Perhaps the toughest challenge out of all six weeks that we're talking about, forgiveness. Um, but if there's any hope for you to have a successful marriage, you absolutely have to pay attention and have to take this challenge seriously. There you go. 
um, we have to take this challenge seriously because it is a very, very hard topic to discuss. Forgiveness, forgiving one another. Uh, and, you know, you talk to marriage counselors, you talk to pastors, preachers, anybody who deals with uh, actually divorce, dealing with talking with married couples on their issues, and they'll tell you that this is the most complex problem of all. Letting go of the past and forgiving your spouse of wrongdoing. Letting go of that anger that builds up when you have a conflict between each other and you just let it fester and you let it grow. And see, forgiveness can't just be considered and contemplated on a case-by-case basis. In other words, one week you can't say, well, I forgive my, uh, my husband because he came and he admitted that he shouldn't have said that, so I'll forgive him. And then the next week he says something dumb again because we do a lot of times, us guys, we say something we shouldn't, but we don't know. We did. So now, this time, you're going to hold that against us because we didn't come and ask for forgiveness. So now you're going to just stack it up inside and you're going to start building. And it's going to start festering. All right? That's what I'm talking about. We can't do that. We can't be, it can't be considered on a case-by-case basis. We have to deliberately put it into practice. Forgiveness has to deliberately be put into practice. You have to say, I am going to forgive, no matter what. And it's a hard thing to do. Yes? How about things that maybe you do that they didn't know? We're going to. That you know. Yes. That you should be asking forgiveness, but they don't know you did it yet. We are going to. We're going to. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> what? Well, I, I don't know about that one. We. You're, you're talking about. You're talking about asking for forgiveness for things that you might be doing later. Uh huh. Yeah. So we're going to discuss. Yeah, we are going to discuss that. Yep. Your your obligation to go. Yeah, your obligation to go to your wife. If you think that you've done something, you think right. you've wronged her, yeah, it, 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 we're going to talk about that, your obligation to go and make that right, even the, even the smallest type of issues, yes. So we are going to talk about that. So, you know, forgive, for a good marriage to really work, forgiveness has to be a part of it. Do you, would you all agree? It's got to be pretty near the top. Well, because getting under great with it, Yes, and we're going to talk. Forgive and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to stay with you because I love you, but I can't forget. Right, and we're going to discuss that also. These are all good things. You're all way ahead of me. Very good. We're going to talk about letting go of that past and, and trying to forget because that's what, that's what God talks to, about. So we're going to discuss all those things. Um, a lot of you bought the Love Their book, and I was very encouraged by seeing all the people that were buying it. I hope that you're involved in, in reading that and discussing things with your, with your spouse. But if you've made it this far to uh, the forgiveness chapter, uh, forgive me, because I'm going to pull a story right out of the book. And because I thought it really depicted uh, the trap that you get yourself in when you fail to forgive, when you just can't. And, it, and, it, and I, So I want to tell this story so you can kind of get an idea of what you go through. So imagine yourself in a prison-like setting. And as you look around, you see a number of cells, cell blocks, and you can see the front doors with all the bars, all of them, from where you're standing. So in other words, they're all facing, <coughs> facing you. And you can see these cell blocks. Inside these cells are people that you know, people from your past that have hurt you and maybe set and legitimately have harmed you, not harmed you, but have said wrong things, have purposely done something to offend you. They didn't make it right. And now they're imprisoned in this jail. You see perhaps your parents. Maybe they did something wrong to you. Maybe you see a brother and sister in these cells. You might even see and probably do see your spouse, the person that's supposed to be the closest to you and understand you and not supposed to offend you. They're even in a cell block right there. 
and you see them all. This is a cell, and they're doing time. This is a cell that you created, a prison that you have created. And see, this, uh, this prison that we're talked about that they're all trapped in is a room in your own heart. This dark, depressing chamber exists in you every day. And not far away, though, in the same room as you, is Jesus. And he's extending out his hand. And then you see in his hand there's a key. And you know what it is. That key unlocks all the cell doors in this cell. And Jesus is telling you, put the key in and let all these people go. And you can't. You're saying, you even have a conversation with Jesus. You don't understand. These people did wrong to me. They did something to hurt me. And they deserve punishment. They deserve what they get because they didn't even ask me for forgiveness. They didn't come to me and make it right. And it's too hard for you. You can't, you can't come to that place that Jesus is saying, let these people go. So you turn away. And you want, now, now that you are looking at these people, you get more angry. The, the, those, those memories start to stir up things, don't they? Do they not? So now you start getting more angry. And you want to leave because you don't want to see these people anymore. But what you find out is when you try to leave, you can't. You are trapped. You're trapped in the very prison that you made for all these people. And you can't get out. And the only way you can't get out is if you forgive. Your freedom depends on your forgiveness. Now, you know, this is a pretty crazy story, and if you could put yourself in that position, you know that, you know, that, that really does exist. I mean, you many times will put somebody in a prison like that. You think they deserve to be punished because they did you wrong. But it builds up inside you, too, and you're just as much a prisoner of that hatred and that pain and that suffering because you can't let it go. And, uh, you know, this is, this is something that takes a while to come to, a conclusion, and, and we try to come up with alternate solutions for our problems except for the one that's staring us right in the face, forgiveness. Just forgive them, all right? And it's a, it's a hard lesson to learn. It's easy to, for me to come up here and say it. It's a hard one to put into practice. See, we make excuses and we try to come up with legitimate reasons why not to forgive. I mean, there are quite a few legitimate reasons, are there not? My husband or my, my spouse really hurt me. They offended me by what they said. Bad. I, I just can't forgive them until they come and make it right, until they, till they acknowledge that they did something wrong. It's, it's going to be very difficult for me to let that go. What about, uh, what about the excuse... They don't even think they did anything wrong. I know they did something wrong. They did it to me. But they don't think they did anything wrong. So they need to be, they need to be punished. What about the fact that maybe sometimes they're even turning it back on me and they're, they're saying that it's my fault, that this problem, this communication block that we're having, this, this disagreement is my fault. How dare him or how dare her? Right? These are all good excuses, are they? No, they're not really good excuses. No, they're not. But they're all excuses that we use because we're selfish. We're only looking at, we're only looking at ourselves. And, uh, and we don't want to admit that. You know, we feel justified in our actions uh, to blame other people. And we have excuses and we refuse to forgive um, when we do. When we refuse to forgive, we are actually acting <coughs> as judge and jury for that person, whether it's our spouse. And by the way, just as a side note, because this is a marriage class, I keep saying spouse. But this, this act of forgiveness, this has to do with anybody in your past, anybody in, your, in the present. It could be a coworker. It could be a family member. It doesn't have to just be your spouse that you have this problem of forgiveness with. 
that clouds your judgment and, 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 uh, and eats away at your heart. So even though I say spouse, we want to we get a bigger picture here because forgiveness is about a lot more than just forgiving your spouse. It's about, uh, it's about everyone. So, you know, when we make excuses, we're acting as judge and jury for that person, and we're deciding whether that person is worthy of forgiveness or not. And we need to remember that when we forgive, forgiveness doesn't absolve anyone of blame. It doesn't clear their record with God. All it does is it clears our conscience of having to worry about how to punish them. It's too much for us to handle. God knew that. He doesn't put us in charge of the discipline. Because why? When we're offended, when something happens to us, our selfish nature takes over a lot of times, and now we're angry, we're upset, we're frustrated, uh, we're bitter. That's some pretty hard characteristics to, uh, to judge somebody with. You're, you're going to be judging them pretty harshly, all right, because of all those negative feelings that you have. Well, God's not like that. He's going to justly deal with that person the way they should be because God's a righteous God. Let's look at how God um, is going to judge. Let's look at Romans 12, 17 through 19. Romans 12, 17 through 19. If someone, uh, once they get to that verse, or a couple verses, if they would like to read it. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Yep, very good. Thanks, Tony. See, when, we, when you forgive someone, you are not turning them loose. You're actually just turning them over to God, who will deal with them in his way, in his just way. Not the way we want, because we're selfish. We might want them really punished bad. But God's going to do it in his just way. And he says, don't take revenge on your partner, on your spouse, for wrongdoing. Never repay evil for evil. Think, it, think back in your relationships. Maybe it's happened to you. Have you ever thought or actually did? Have you ever thought of, man, my husband or my wife really offended me. I'm going to get it back to show them how much they hurt me. I'm going to do what they did to me so they know that they're really hurting me and maybe then they'll stop. Based on this verse, is that proper? No, it's not. God says never, <coughs> never repay evil with evil. It's not our job. Verse 19 says, don't take revenge on your own. Leave room for the wrath of God. God will take care of that for you. That's not our responsibility. See, forgiveness is not about winning or losing the argument and the wrong that's been done. And a lot of times, because we're selfish, we want to be right, do we not? In an argument, you have your opinion, and most of the time you think you're right. But what about your spouse? Do they think they're right also? All right, so when it comes to forgiving each other and you finally sit down and you have the time, all right, we're done do with the silent treatment. We've done that. Let's sit down and make this right. Now I'm going to present my case, and now you present your case, and whoever we decide is right, then the other person needs to forgive, needs to ask for forgiveness. A lot of times that's the way it happens, and that's not what God has intended. We are not to forgive like that. Forgiveness is about freedom. It's about just letting go. Even when somebody doesn't ask for forgiveness, you've you got to find a way to just let it go and not let it build up in your heart. Um, you know, there's two types of forgiveness that we want to deal with today. It's, again, like I said, it's forgiving somebody even when they don't come to you. 
Many times, like Tony said, you might not know that you have offended your spouse or somebody. They might not understand that. You still have to find room in your heart to let that go. If you wait for them to come and apologize for it, that might never happen. And now you've got that room in your heart that's you're in, and you've, uh, you've got that space there that you remember every time you see that person that they never, forget, they never ask forgiveness for this little, little issue. It'll just grow and fester. All right, so um, we have to learn to forgive. But the second one is we have to remember that our obligation to go to our spouse or go to somebody that we know we've offended and purposely ask for forgiveness for that issue. And that is, that is another thing that we need to do. Let's look at uh, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. And while we're, while we're turning there, I just want to say that, you know, many times we do make an attempt at forgiveness and forgiving our spouse. Um, but the but word comes in because we're selfish. A lot of times we will apologize for something and then follow it up with, but what does that do to the apology? What does that do to the act of forgiveness? First of all, the, the I sorry words are just two words and they come out in about a half a second. Followed up with a but and a three-minute conversation about why it was okay for what you did. Is it not? I mean, isn't that a lot of our apologies? I'm sorry for raising my voice, honey, but I have a lot of stress going on at work. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to keep my job. I come home. The house is kind of tore up. The kids are running around. I don't have any time for myself. Did you even remember that I said I'm sorry and what for? No, because of this long, drawn-out explanation of why you feel you're justified. Being sorry isn't trying to justify your actions. It's just saying, I'm sorry. I, I messed up. I am sorry for raising my voice. I shouldn't have. Will you forgive me? And I am, trying to, I am going to try and work on not raising my voice. Right? That's what a, a true apology is, not the excuses. Let's look at um, what, you know, uh, before we actually look into the Colossians, I want to bring up that what are some of the characteristics when you're giving an apology like that and you have all kinds of excuses that, that uh, surround it? What kind of things are still festering? Yeah. Selfishness, yeah. You might still have some bitterness in your heart. Maybe you're saying sorry because you know you're supposed to. All right? And that's the only reason. Well, I know the Bible says I'm supposed to ask for forgiveness, so I'm going to, hey, I'm sorry for what I did. Or but then the bus. Tell them you're sorry, but then give them a laundry list of what they did wrong to make me mad to begin with. Very good. Yes, <laughs> and we're going to get into that too. <laughs> yeah, uh, so let's look at some of the characteristics that the Bible says we should come to the table with. What should we have in our heart when we go to our spouse or we go to somebody and truly ask for forgiveness the right way? Would someone read Colossians 3, 12 through 15, please? Since God chose you to be the holy people in Thank you. There's a lot in that verse. What are some of the, if, you, if you're looking down, what are some of the characteristics that the Bible tells us, the heart of what? What are we supposed to come to the table with? Kindness, gentleness, patience, compassion, humility. Yes. 
These are all things that we're supposed to come to our spouse with when we have done something wrong, instead of being defensive, instead of being angry, and we need to make that right with our spouse. When you have that, when you fill your heart with those things, it's very difficult then to come with that but and with all those excuses because you want to come with a heart of compassion and humility. Now we want to take a look at an example of this. So we're going to play the videotape. In this video, we've been doing this every week, and uh, <coughs> Caleb's had a rough time, if you can remember, throughout the movie. He's had a rough time in dealing with his wife and trying to make it right, trying to make things right, but he's been trying to do it on his own. All right, in this clip, this is after he's accepted Christ, he understands what true love is. All right, and you're going to see a big difference in the way he was dealing with his wife before as to now. All right, and then we're going to discuss that because this is a great example of what we just talked about in Colossians. I learned you never leave your partner, especially on fire. So what happened? Dad asked me if there was anything in me that wanted to save our marriage. And then he gave me something. I have 
and so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you that I've never had before. And I have asked Him to forgive me. And I am hoping and praying that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. All right, um, so how do you think Caleb did with his apology based on his earlier apologies and the way he tr treated his wife? For those of you that saw, complete turnaround, was it not? Um, Yes. Based on Colossians, what characteristics was, was she talk, what, what's Lisa talking about? What did he put on? What did he have in his heart? Was it anger? Was it bitterness because she's just as much at fault? Yes, humility, tenderness, compassion. Realizing what he did, he did wrong. She was just as, as complicit in the, the problems in the marriage as he was. They both had equal problems, okay? But he did not bring those up. Why? Because if he had done that, number one, selfishness, the but word would have come out. What would that have done to his apology? No and void. Yeah. So, guys and ladies, remember that. When you are apologizing to your spouse and then the but word comes out, it's like it, it's like bouncing off their ears. It's going in one ear and out the other because they're not focused on the apology. They're focused on all the excuses that you're given of why you're trying to justify your actions in the first place, which you can see there's no excuse for that in the Bible. All right, Your actions, if it's sin, it's sin. There's not a good reason for sin. 
So you can't just say, hey, I have a good reason for doing what I did. No, it's just, please forgive me. All right, that's what we need to do. You know, in earlier scenes, Caleb complained about his wife and blamed her for the problems, and he didn't bring up, you know, this time he didn't bring up any of that. Didn't bring up her faults, didn't raise or intimidate her, and, and again, not using the but word. You know, how often, though, do we put it, uh, conditions on our apologies? You know, we expect something in return, and we've talked about this before. Um, because we're selfish, we expect things. When you love selflessly, you don't expect anything in return, but we are selfish. We expect sometimes apology in return, or we expect to place part of the blame, like we just talked about. In your own relationships, I, I'll probably know just by the smirk on your face, how many times have you walked to your spouse and said, I'm sorry for raising my voice. I shouldn't have. Okay, now, what are you sorry for? <laughs> it's your turn. Okay? And it happens. It does happen because we are expecting something in return. We want that gratification too. Okay, I'm wrong, but it'll make me feel better if somebody else admits they're wrong too. So come on, come on, join the crowd. And you admit your problems. All right? But that's not what love is. Christ is our example. If you know, we've gone through this before in class. we talked in uh, detail of what he went through. But with all the suffering that Christ went through on the cross, did he have the right to hold a grudge and to be angry and resent the crowd and be bitter? He could have. That wasn't in his character. See, he chose not to be selfish. He chose to forgive us. He made a conscious decision to forgive all when they didn't even ask for it. What did he say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right? And he gave us the opportunity to, to ask and, and repent and get eternal life through him. And so that is our example. Let's look at Mark 11, 25 and 26. Mark 11, 25 and 26. Because God gives us some instructions on uh, forgiveness. I'm going to read this. Uh, Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgressions. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive your transgressions. The question, is forgiveness just a feeling or does it require a deliberate action? It's a deliberate action. Correct. If we rely on our feelings, again, what happens when we're, when we're heartbroken, when somebody has offended us? We've got all those negative feelings. If we rely on our emotions, we're not going to forgive. We have to make a conscious, a deliberate action to forgive. And, and does this passage indicate that forgiveness might also require an action? Do we have to do something? What do we have to do if we've wronged somebody? You had mentioned it earlier. What do we have to do if we have wronged somebody? You have to go to that person. All right, that's our deliberate action. It's, it's not enough. We can't say, God, I'm sorry for... Yeah, but we'll understand what the Bible says is if we don't confess, if we don't go to our brothers and confess our, our unforgiveness and our bitterness in our heart, how can we have fellowship with God? How can we expect God to forgive us of what we've done when we can't forgive our spouse because they gave us a dirty look? We can't forgive our spouse because they said something we didn't like and they got an attitude. Okay, so that's a big problem, right? But God, look what he did. 
He forgave us of all our sins, past, present, and future, when we didn't ask him to. He did it because he wanted us to have the opportunity to ask him and ask for forgiveness so that we could have eternal life. All right? So we have, to, we have to know that this is very important. He's telling us here, you've got to go to your brother. You've got to go to your sister. You've got to go to your spouse and get that right. Ask for forgiveness if you've done something wrong. And then we can restore that relationship back with God. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to do that. So what are the consequences of unforgiveness based on what I just said? What's the consequences? Separation Yes. Yeah, that broken fellowship with God. How can we go through life? How can, we, how can we have a better Christian marriage if we can't even get our relationship with God and the most basic thing of forgiveness down? Okay? That is very important. So how do we do it? We're running out of time quickly, uh, as usual. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, because that is the love chapter. How do we forgive like Christ? He's the example. As I said last week, everything you need to know with problems in your marriage, you can get the answers in the Bible. You just got to know where to look. The love chapter says, Love is patient, is kind, it's not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does, love, or does not act unbecoming. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, but does, rejo- uh, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. As Lisa said, you can say, I forgive, but then anytime something comes up, you're bringing that problem from the past right into this current, current situation. And that's not what love is. Love does not look at the past and bring up old issues. You know, if you're living in the past, if you're remembering what your spouse has done to you and hurt you, it's going to eat you alive if you don't let it go. All right? You will continue to hold bitterness and animosity and anger, hatred in your heart, which is only hurting your relationship with God and obviously your relationship with your spouse because you can't mend those broken fences. Those wounds don't heal if you don't deal with this. We've all sinned against each other, right? And you're going to do it again. It's not a matter if you're going to offend your wife or your husband. It's a matter of when. We are all human and we all sin. And nobody said that once you go through a class or once you get saved or once you go through counseling, and once you make a commitment at a renewal vow ceremony, that you're never going to have a problem again. Because that's not realistic. That's not what marriage is. You're going to come across more struggles. It's whether you can forgive and let it go, or are you going to be the selfish person that you're used to being and, and hoard that problem and just keep building on until the, the problems become very big and you can't forgive. And it, it's anger. Um, so we've all sinned. And if we're waiting for an apology to make things right with our spouse, we might be waiting a while. You might not get that apology. And so you're sitting there saying, well, I will forgive him, but he's got to come to me. He better come to me and ask for forgiveness and admit what he did or admit what she did, and then I can forgive and move on. And you could be waiting a long time, and you're missing out on the joys of what the Bible says. Just let it go. It's very hard to do but you've got to forgive and let it go. And you can't bring up old issues. If something arises now, you can't bring it up from the past. That's in the past. So how do we... uh, Oh, let me back up. True love. True love makes you want to restore that relationship with your spouse. 
It, true love makes you want to love in your heart, and you will want to go to your spouse and ask for forgiveness. You're not going to want to hold it back. If you understand true love, if you put on the, the qualities that uh, 1 Corinthians is talking about, you're going to want to go to your spouse as soon as you can, as soon as you understand you offended them and did something wrong, and make it right. You're going to want to do that. But it also talks about you're going to want to let it go and forgive. Even if they don't come to you, you can't hold that against them. Um, so you, we all need to search our hearts and find out what have we done to offend our spouses and make it right. So how do we know that we've truly forgiven? How, how is it genuine? How do you know that you've done it? Well, often a lot of people say that a great weight has been lifted off their shoulders when they, when they truly forgive, especially when you've had a lot of things that you've held in your heart and it's been a while since you've got, been able to let that go. It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders. And we forget that there are physical symptoms that we could have from holding on to anger and resentment and animosity and dwelling on the past, all these negative things, negative issues. That can manifest itself into physical symptoms of depression, of feeling sorry for yourself, being tired all the time and lethargic, being short-tempered and snapping at your spouse with the littlest issues that really you're married, you love each other, you should just be able to go right over the little bump. But because you've got all these negative feelings, they're physically changing you. And you can't get over that. All right? those, are, those are physical symptoms. But when we let it go, when we forgive, we let it go, we release all that hatred in our heart. And it's like a breath of fresh air. And we all need to do it. Now I know everything that I've set up here is easier said than done. Easy for me to stand here and say, forgive your spouse even if they don't ask for forgiveness. When they ask for forgiveness, even if it's been a very difficult issue, you forgive them because the Bible says forgive them, and then you let that go. It's easy to say it. It's very hard to put into practice. All right? Some of you may have been hurt by your spouse in a serious way, or your relationship has been severed for so long that you're used to living that way. You're used to living two people in the house with not a whole lot of communication, and, just, and things just keep building up. And so yeah, that's just the way it is. All right? So it, it's more difficult... To, come, to, to fix those situations. But that's not what God designed or how he designed our marriage. And he does not want us to continue down that long, lonely road of self-pity. It's not the way he designed our marriage. And so if there are issues in your marriage that you need to resolve, maybe there's some hard ones, and you need assistance, maybe you've tried and you've tried the wrong way, and if you try the wrong way, it's going to come out wrong. It's going to come out bad. If you say, well, we've tried before. I've asked for forgiveness. More than likely, if you, if you had a taped conversation, you probably heard the butt word in there, all right, or excuses or something, if you had your, because if you do it correctly, all right, it's very difficult not to come out in, on the winning end. Right? So if you need some help, we can, we can get people. I mean, you know, I, I deal with them. Mike's a police officer up here, too, and we deal for the last 15 years with domestics every day. We fix people's problems in about five minutes. All right. Sometimes the real hard ones were there about 10 minutes. But it's a Band-Aid. We're putting a problem on, they cannot, people cannot fix their own problems, and we're putting a Band-Aid on it. And then we're walking away. This is more than a Band-Aid. We don't want to just fix the one problem. We want to get to the root problem of forgiveness and fix it for a lifetime so we don't have to go back. Because the domestics that we go on, usually when the, when the address comes out, it's like, yeah, we've been there before because it's over and over again. 
All right, we don't want to have to come back to these issues. You deal with the root problem. We'll get, we'll get you help. I don't know all the answers. Pastor might not know all the answers. We'll get somebody that can suit your specific needs and give you good advice on how to get through this, this difficult time. But it's imperative that we do that. Remember, great marriages... Um, where am I? Oh, there I am. Because <laughs> this is a quote. Great marriages are not created by people who have never hurt each other only by people who choose not to keep a record of wrongdoings. Okay? There are no great marriages out there. There's no great marriage because these people are just super in love and nothing ever happens. It just doesn't exist out there. The good marriages, the great marriages, last because those people choose not to keep a record of the things that have been done wrong in the past. They don't bring it up. And therefore, once you forgive and you let it go, you can move on and your marriage can get better. All right, and we have a challenge this week. We're out of time. We actually have to wait until they come and get us because the kids are working. But this challenge this week, very difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. Probably the toughest one yet. Here goes, guys and girls, ladies and men. Whatever you have not forgiven in your spouse, forgive it today. Whatever you have not forgiven in your spouse, they might not... <laughs> We'll deal with you two. We'll deal with you two later. <laughs> they might not know that they have offended you on something. Remember, ladies, we're, we don't think the way you do. We might have offended you by our words, by our actions, and we're guys. Doesn't affect us as much. We might not even know that we offended you that way. So how can we know to come and apologize? All right. If we've offended you, male and female, you let it go. All right, you forgive today. Then sometime this week, you need to sit down with your spouse. Get some quiet time alone. And you need, if you need to write it out, and this is a great idea too, I thought of, because of the principle of forgiving and then letting it go and forgetting about it. Write down what you've done to offend your spouse. What you want to say I'm sorry about. If it is, I am sorry for the way I've treated you these last few months. I have, I have not helped out at the house. I have not done my part and I want to apologize and I want to change and then when you deal with that with your spouse and you ask for forgiveness you take the biggest black marker that you've got and you mark out mark that off so you can't read it anymore and it's gone and you don't bring up that topic again okay it's forgiven and it's gone and you move on and you go back and forth husband and wife is that easy no, it's not going to be easy but is it imperative is it important for your relationship to continue and to heal and to do what the Bible says, it's very important. It's something that we have to do. Unforgiveness has kept our marriages in prison way too long. And it's time to experience the joys of marriage the way God intended them to be. So you say from your heart, I choose to forgive. That's what we say. I choose to forgive you. It's a conscious decision. All right? That is our lesson. That is our challenge this week. Again, not fooling you. It's a tough one for anybody. Why? Because we're selfish people. It's embarrassing to admit our mistakes, even to the person that we are intimate with, that we should, that should know all of our feelings. Even that, even that person, we're, it's difficult for us to admit our mistakes <laughs> because we're, a prideful, we're pride, prideful and sinful. So we've got to get over that. Most of the time, your spouse is going to know exactly what you're talking about, so it's not like it's going to be a surprise. All right? You're already telling them something that they already know about you. You're just asking for, for that forgiveness. Okay? 
let's uh, let's pray, and then we're just going to hang out until we are ordered back into the uh, other part of the gym. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, everyone coming today for the great attendance we've had over the last five weeks. Obviously, the importance that people play and, and realize uh, marriage. Lord, this, uh, this topic we talked about today, obviously a very difficult one of forgiveness. Pray that we will put these, uh, these character, characteristics in place. We will look back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and read that with our spouses, remembering what we should be putting on when we ask for forgiveness. Keep the hatred, keep the animosity, the anger out of our heart. Help us put on love, patience, kindness, and then go forward with our spouses to make a better marriage. In Jesus' name, amen.